I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. When it's this hot, it's hard not to wish you were on the beach. At least it is for me. But what does the beach holiday of 2018 look like compared to 2017 and years past? I'm Emily Cronin, and this is Fashion Unzipped. With me in the studio are Charlie Gowans Eglinton, Victoria Moss, and Bethan Holt. Thanks for joining us. Later today, we'll talk through the new beach etiquette for 2018. But first, we don't often discuss advertising campaigns on the podcast, but the new Kurt Geiger campaign is out, and it is a joy. The campaign stars great British characters, including Zandra Rhodes, Alice Delal, and my personal favorite, Dame Joan Collins, wearing their choice of Kurt Geiger shoes and accessories. Dame Joan, who says, I'm equally at home in a pantsuit and t-shirt as I am in a ball gown, wears a black skirt suit with Kurt Geiger's pillarbox red Britain heels and a Kensington handbag. I mean, it it seems like for a long time, fashion brands really sort of were pushing anonymity in their campaigns. You know, they wanted like a blank slate, Mm. a a young Russian model, that kind of thing. There were exceptions. Miu Miu always likes to enlist emerging actresses. And last week, Prada released a short film starring drag race winner Violet Chachki. But I'm getting the sense that we're seeing more and more characters. Are you picking up on that, too? Diversity in character. I um, interviewed Rebecca Farah-Hockley, who's the chief creative officer for Kurt Geiger, who is um, brilliant. And her whole shtick about shoes is that you can't predict who's going to buy what shoe. If in your head you think this shoe is being designed for a, you know, 30-something mum in Hampstead, you're going to look, you know, sit in the shop and see a 50-year-old lawyer come in and buy it. It's not based on demographic and it's not based on, you know, your size or what you look like, obviously, because everyone can wear shoes and everyone can carry a handbag. They're the sort of great democratizers of fashion. And she just felt this more and more. And so it just seemed at odds to cast a kind of 21-year-old model in her campaign who, you know, looked very nice and very happy but didn't have that kind of personality that she wanted to, you know, felt the collections reflected, which is why... They've done this campaign and I think the best bit of it is the next bit of it. So it's going to be new people launching each month. After this, they're going to use people who work for Kurt Geiger. So there are some incredible women who I think she's just about to retire who works in the office and she's sort of head to toe in Dries van Noten every day. And then girls who work in the store, there was one she told me about who's got like 40 of the Kensington handbags because she's just obsessed. And these are all, you know, women with really strong fashion um, identities. And then after that, they're going to be featuring customers. 
So it's 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 a very egalitarian approach, and she feels that there's as much interest in a girl who lives in Kent, who's a big Kurt Geiger fan, as there is in you know a model. It's kind of it's nice. It's it's great. Interestingly, given what you said about you can't you know predict a shoe and its owner, I do think that if you did a lineup of every Kurt Geiger shoe, and and asked me which one would Dame Joan Collins pick. It would be like the red stiletto. I mean, unless there was a leopard print option. I agree that you can't, I certainly can't relate to a 20-something model and think, oh, yeah, that's what I would look like if I wore that. I can't necessarily relate to Dame Joan Collins either. I don't think she's necessarily an every woman. But that's what I think is fabulous about this. And we have seen a bit of it, actually. In um, 2015, Saleron used Joanie Mitchell and Celine used Joan Didion. And I thought they were both amazing campaigns. And those are amazing women that I want to see more of. One of my career, nay, life highlights was interviewing Cher when she did a Gap campaign. And I just think these are amazing women that actually I want to read about and I want to see on posters. Mm. And, you know, Helena Bonham Carter for Marc Jacobs. Actually, when you look back, those are the ones that stick out. It's not the 20-something model. Actually, I interviewed Joan Collins. Um, so why is everyone interviewing Joan Collins <laughs> apart from me? Well, I, I looked back at the interview recently, and my favorite part was um, <laughs> it was it was about party makeup and party style. And I asked her what the biggest mistake we, most women make with party makeup is, and she said, "Well, they don't wear enough." And and I said, um, "So you're not a fan of the no makeup look?" She, and she kind of shuddered, and she said, "Oh no. Well, maybe if you're eight. <laughs> I'm all for it, Jane. Yes, those eight-year-olds do need to downplay the. Uh, I mean, you know, smoky nine, eye. Once you're nine, forget about it. You need those. You need some Botox, but uh, eight-year-olds can get away with it. I've I've done a story for tomorrow about um, Faye Dunaway is going to be in Gucci's um, Gucci's new campaign about, and it's kind of about their Sylvie handbag, and it's kind of a very similar premise. Actually, they've got a twenty-something singer called Soko alongside the fabulous seventy-seven-year-old. Um, Faye Dunaway and it's talking about how you can like pass this handbag down from mother to daughter and Faye just looks amazing and it's kind of very similar with Joan it's um not necessarily a look that we're all going to carry off but I liked something that Faye said was um you know I usually go for quite simple tailored style but you know Alessandro Michele has persuaded me into a tracksuit and a floral dress so maybe you can still kind of yeah. change it around because I think when this started with the kind of Joanie Mitchells and Jane Didion, it felt a slight fetishization of, of older women. And it was like, hey, they're really old. Hey, you know, we like everyone. And then it sort of flipped back to very young models. And I think if it's going to land up somewhere in a kind of, you know, in the middle, using everyone, opening the floodgates a bit. So it's not one thing or the other. So it's not extremes. I think that's what feels, I think, quite good about this. Well, for one of his first campaigns, Alessandro Michele used Vanessa Redgrave at Chatsworth. So, you know, he's he's clearly using campaigns to celebrate women he thinks are are noteworthy and, and well done. Actually, the, the photo that you showed me, Bethan, and, you know, we'll have this on our site as well, brought to mind the famous Faye Dunaway post-Oscar breakfast photo. Do you oh know this? Oh, my God, that's amazing, where she's got her feet up with the papers. Oh. Yeah, where she's, yeah. By, she's by the pool, and she's got all the newspapers around her, you know, the morning after she's won her Oscar. This is that woman who's grown up and kind of graduated from a silk robe into a full head-to-toe Gucci wardrobe. 
Well done, Faye. So Vic, you've written about the campaign for the paper and Rebecca is completely fascinating. And I'm I... obsessed. I'm literally obsessed with her. After meeting her, I basically Googled her entire outfit. She showed me like three pairs of shoes she was carrying in her bag. I wanted them all. That woman could sell anything to you, but she's so cool and chic and enthusiastic about life and shoes. I loved her. Three yeah. pairs of shoes and a handbag. That's a big was, handbag. Yeah, a huge, but... It was a great, it was a great tote, the violet tote. Do you read the full coverage in print or at telegraph.co.uk slash fashion? And tell us who you'd like to see in a campaign next by emailing us at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. And moving on, has the palace pushback against Meghan Markle's fashion sense begun? Prince Harry reportedly nixed Meghan's plans to wear a tuxedo-style suit to an event during the couple's official visit to Australia for the Invictus Games later this year. Apparently, Meghan wanted to wear a Stella McCartney evening tux for an event, but Harry, gasp, said no. Now, the Duchess of Sussex has worn tailored trouser suits for work events in the past, uh, work meaning official royal duties, namely McQueen and Givenchy and Burberry. And this has raised eyebrows before. So, Bethan, can you tell us really how borderline bad girl is a trouser suit for a royal? Yeah, there's this kind of sort of quite staid, perhaps slightly old-fashioned attitude within fuzzy areas of royal protocol about women wearing trousers. Apparently the Queen only likes jodhpurs and approves of no other kind of trouser. How do we know Harry said this? Take it with a grain of salt, it's a source. Well, for someone who you know has a strong penchant for what can only be described as a gap year belt... I think Harry is on shaky ground. I mean, I thought that I... You know those woven belts. They, Him and yeah. Wills are both. It's the matching bracelet. The bracelet. The, 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 the bracelet. string bracelet. He yeah. has no... <laughs> I had, I, like, when we heard that he likes to offer fashion input, I always assumed that it was more like, you look pretty, and, and you know, mm. why don't you try that in pink? Okay, honey. You know, not like... Mm. Back telling her, thou shalt not wear trousers. That seems a bit over the line. Going back to my Diana um, encyclopedia, I interviewed Jasper Conran about him dressing Diana, and he described this moment of Diana coming into his um, office. I think it was like 1986. She was just like, I am over ball gowns. I need some trousers. And he made her some, some trouser suits, and Margaret Howell made her some trouser suits. And so Diana did actually do this quite a lot. It's not like it hasn't been done before. I think even when Diana would go a little bit kind of off-piste and and play with the rules a bit, it wasn't until after the divorce, or certainly after the separation, that she really had that sleek makeover. In the kind of mid-90s that she started to wear those really quite sexy, sleek pieces. And I think probably it's the actual, it's the specific trouser suit that Meghan's chosen that might be causing issues. Because, you know, that one, that black trouser suit that we've seen her wear before, it was black. First of all, I mean, when have you ever seen the Duchess of Cambridge wear? They don't do black, black do they? For um, morning only. But also, it was it was like a tux. It wasn't, you know, royal lady like lovely little pearl button, was it? It was it was a sleek with a black. And it also, I think with the tux as well, it really depends what you wear underneath. You know, like kind of helmet Newton, you know, little silky cami. It's very different to if you have like a little buttoned up white shirt or something. But also, I suppose when you think visually as well, those visual the visuals are very important. For the royals and so if you have a picture of harry and Meghan, and they're both basically wearing like a black suit it doesn't maybe look quite as arresting as much, yeah. exactly as if you know one of you's in a suit and the other one is in like a kind of lovely flowery dress i think if they don't provide that glamour and mm. that it's that's not the, the princess the princess factor exactly isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. and that's, that's what job sells now. 
I would like to see Megan in a jumpsuit. I think that would be a happy compromise because it still gives you the kind of the trouser vibes, but it's quite glamorous also. It's difficult to believe mid-heat wave that September and the next season of fashion shows is right around the corner. In about seven weeks, we'll finally see Ricardo Tisky's debut for Burberry, welcome Victoria Beckham back to London, and get to see Alexa Chung's first on-schedule show. Since launching Alexa No Space Chung, her eponymous fashion line, in a North London church last May, Chung has introduced new collections via parties and intimate presentations. But for the spring 2019 season, she's part of the official London Fashion Week schedule with a runway show in the diary for Saturday, 15th September. Again, I know that it's really, really, it feels very far away, but is this going to be the most exciting Fashion Week in ages? I'm not sure Alexa Chung is going to make it the most exciting <laughs> Fashion Week in ages. But for other reasons, well, sure. I am interested. I do, I think she's designed some great pieces that I would wear and really like. They're a bit out of my price range. It's quite, quite a high price point but my question with this one is that the past collections have all been incredibly wearable pieces that Alexa kind of does then wear around town it's quite pared back it's even when it's a kind of lurex something a green lurex midi dress with ruffles at the waistline yeah it's it's still very low-key really for a catwalk collection it's not you know super directional or super you know, all one trend, she tends to dip more into a couple mm. of different trends and, and more into what women actually want to wear, which is great when you're shopping, but perhaps harder to communicate on a catwalk where you're kind of used to seeing more of a themed collection. It is a sign of, of strength, presumably, to say, to, or, and confidence mm. or bravado to say we have enough resources and traction to, to do a full-scale runway show. But I don't know, I don't feel that we hear very much about this brand. no. I think Alexa had such a moment, didn't she, with her personal style and everyone was kind of so obsessed with it. And that, that was sort of the premise upon which she, she launched this collection and she wanted to be taken more seriously as a, as a real designer and as a real creative. I think it's very tricky if your, ho- if your whole personal brand has been about a very specific look to kind of move that on and keep reinventing it but still keep people wanting... Mm wanting similar I feel like we're in a real time of fashion now where you get these brands that have a real moment because they capture the zeitgeist and they capture just exactly what everyone wants to wear right now and then perhaps things move on because I mean that's just fashion isn't it it's trends and I think Alexa needs to kind of find her way of keeping up with that yeah it feel it almost feels a bit old-fashioned to do a show now I think if you're a new brand because there are all these you know successful little independents who are just, you know, doing it all through Instagram and have a very sort of close connection with the people buying it. And it's it's more of a kind of community, these sort of cult labels. I kind of feel like if you're doing it right now as a small fledgling brand, you're you're kind of capitalising on, on the social network audience, which is where so many people shop especially I would think the people that she's trying to appeal to well it is more about about the visual takeaway and the shareability of of the image mm. than anything that happens on the runway which is why I thought that she was onto something with with her launch event it was um kind of like a church fate they had a, a marquee in the garden of a primrose hill church they served wood-fired pizzas and great cocktails and went inside for a fashion show with the full choir and like glitter confetti at the end. It, it seemed like exactly what you're describing, Vic, about creating a moment. Mm. So strange 
sort of then to have this step change and, and say we're going to have models walking down the runway. Maybe she just wants to go a bit bigger or change up what she's doing. To me, it felt like a bit of a like, oh, that's an interesting move. So we'll, I guess we'll see. For some brands, they just it's a kind of a credibility thing, isn't it? Like if you get a chance to be at London Fashion Week on the schedule, it's like tick that box. Even interestingly, Rixo is on the schedule as well, which we think of as a brand that's kind of almost come out of nowhere and now everyone's wearing a real Instagram brand. They've really got a huge moment with their kind of beautiful silk printed dresses. And now they're going to be at Fashion Week as well. And I mean, maybe it's a case of, well, if I can, why why not? You know, who they're wouldn't doing, want to say they hadn't been at Fashion Week? They're doing a presentation and it's and part of the presentation is the unveiling of Laura Jackson, past Fashion Unzipped guest. Hi, Laura, of, of Laura Jackson's collaboration. So that is definitely going to be um, one for us to watch, but also not like a traditional show format. And then you've got Molly Goddard, who, you know, has had this infusion of cash from winning um, the Vogue BFC Award. And she's another person who kind of never really bought into the traditional show format. What will she do now? Well, there's there's a lot to see. Last week, we talked about the misery and the mastery of packing for a summer holiday. Today, let's pretend that we've made it into the taxi, through the airport, and to the sun lounger on the other side. Vic, you've written a 2018 beach etiquette guide for the Wednesday paper. And in this story, you tell us everything that we need to know about what to Instagram or not, whether topless sunbathing is acceptable in a post-MeToo world, and even what should be on our reading list. Isn't that right? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things now, I think, with Instagram that, you know, it it throws up issues, I think, when one is on holiday. Um, And also when one is not on holiday, because everyone's feeds now are getting more and more cluttered with people on holiday, which is very nice for them. I'm happy for them all to be on holiday. I'll be there myself in a few weeks. But I just feel, you know, you've got to try a bit harder. I think the days of the basic hot dog legs, you know, with a kind of smug Monday's office um, caption is, you know, it's lame. It's just lame. You need to try harder. So what's the new hot dog legs? Well, we're quite quite into tiles, I think. I think in a world where everyone thinks they're an Instagram influencer, you know, tiles offers a good aesthetic backdrop. The keen, the keen uh, Instagrammer will match their shoe to their tile. So the goal is to find tiles that coordinate with your entire outfit. So when you show a bit of leg or trouser or dress and your sandal, it all works. Don't forget your nail varnish. Tonally. Obviously, your, you know, your nail varnish. But, you know, there's many things. Like, did anyone think about topless sunbathing post Me Too? Where does that leave? Honestly, I never no. thought about topless sunbathing. No, but <laughs> you know, a lot of women do get those baps out. They do. It's a thing, and of all ages, we've all seen it. Are we? Are we allowed? Of course, we're allowed. That's the point. That's the whole point of me too. Of course, you're allowed. But I would offer concessions. I would perhaps, you know, where are you know, depending your location, you know, a lot more permissible in some countries than others. Obs. But maybe it's not about prancing up and down the beach anymore, sans top. If I had really great tits, which I don't, sadly, then I would definitely be doing the prancing up and down beach sun's top. Yes, power to me. Should I want to, but no. Surely that is the post-meeting message is do whatever you want. Get them out. Get them out. Exactly. I do think this does sound a bit exhausting. What I like about holiday is, you know, not really having to make any (laughs) effort, no mascara, 
probably don't brush my hair I every say, day. I was I was on holiday last week and I didn't wear a bra all week. Heaven. And it was Lovely. just like the dreamiest thing. And what's weird is that a lot of the dresses I was wearing were probably similar-ish to what I wear at work, but just wouldn't just wouldn't feel quite <laughs> right. A whole different attitude. Yeah. <laughs> You also had something to say about about inflatables, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking you of, know, in faith, it's basic. It's so basic mm-hmm. to have, um, you know, a jaunty inflatable, but it's it's a thing, and it, it is quite fun. And I think you can you can sit back and be cynical about these things, or you know, you can get to the beach. You can shop, get it right, and you can get on a unicorn because who doesn't want to get on a unicorn with a rainbow? I bought a swan for a friend's hen do, eh? and I was like, this is going to be really this tacky. But she was totally into that kind of thing so I was like I'll buy this one I had so much fun on this oh one my God. you would not believe I was living my best life I didn't Honestly. want any pictures of it though which probably rules me out from the Instagram I, mm-hmm. I don't need there to be any footage of me inelegantly climbing onto a swan yeah. in the water I think it's kind of clambering slipping off mm-hmm. cl- capsizing you're straddling the swan's neck yeah. it's not ideal an inflatable is actually a really effective sunbathing oh, platform. Oh, it's, it's perfect because you've got the water reflection. Exactly. And yeah. you're very cool because mm-hmm. you can just splash water onto yourself it's a practical, at an opportune moment. Yeah. So, yeah, it actually works really. Your whole body is kind of evenly exposed mm-hmm. mostly. So, yeah, the Mazzoni butterfly ones are perfect for tanning because you can just lie in the middle of it, splayed, full coverage with your boobs out if you want. Do you pack an inflatable... Like, no, no, to go on holiday. I don't have it? space. I would. I will buy one, um, and I won't buy one of the over. You know, because you could go to Selfridges and spend like sixty odd quid on one of these things. But equally, you can just rock up at the beach to little man in his little shop by the beach and buy. You know, they have them all there. You don't need to pack one. Or if you're having a holiday at home, you can go really fancy and uh, get a big paddling pool for the backyard Absolutely. with an electric pump. Yeah, oh, you've got to get the electric pump. I got my mother one um, for her back garden, which is uh, larger than mine. And it's got seats in it and cup holders. <laughs> it is the dream. It was the dream until my daughter pooed in it. <laughs> <laughs> I've not been in since. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, what else is in your, is in your highly instructive uh, story? So I'm, I'm also saying that Kindles are so over in Instagram land because... No one can see what you're reading. And part of the point of Vexing Instagram yeah. is to show off, to look slightly pretentious or funny or, you know, to sort of reflect something of your personality. You know, what book you're reading, it says a lot about you. Actually, actually book sales were up, weren't they? Book sales are up. Mm-hmm. But this is why, you know, like the biggest Instagram humble brag is taking a picture on a sun lounger mm-hmm. of a book that's not out yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the proof. Hashtag sneak peek. And and I happen to be trying to get my hands on an advanced copy of Transcription, Kate Atkinson's new novel, so I can read it before this baby comes, not so that I can mm. take a great picture of it at, at the Hampstead Ladies Pond or anything like that. But uh, what else is everyone reading? What are going to be your bragworthy or not so bragworthy summer reads? Um, well, I'm still, I've almost finished Tina Brown's Vanity Fair Diaries, which is Oh my God, I loved um, that. And on my next is, I've got Juliette Joan Buck, who was the editor of French Vogue. So I've got her next. The Price of Illusion. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I've got um, Circe, which I am reliably informed by our commissioning editor on the magazine that it's the book of the summer. So I'm going to read that. Because reading is my number one priority on holiday. I can easily get through eight books. I can't pack all of those. So I will have my Kindle, but what will be on it... Um, when I'm not reading 1930s crime novels, which I mostly am, 
Uh, I will be reading a couple of biographies, actually. So there's Vita and Virginia, uh, which is the lives and love of Virginia Woolf and Vita Sackville West, which I'm very excited about. That's a good one. Yes. I want that one. And their love affair. You know, they they wrote kind of 500 love letters in between them. They provided inspiration for each other. I just think they're so interesting, and I'm really intrigued to see if this is kind of a great biography of them. I hope it's been very well researched, apparently. Great. Bethan, what are you reading? I'm getting all kinds of ideas here. Well, what I would like to be reading is um, Sally Rooney, who wrote um, Conversations with Friends, um, which was an amazing book that I read earlier this year and which has come back to my mind because one of my best friends, I lent it to her and she is reading it as we speak and she's like I can't stop reading it so good so yeah Sally Rooney's new book Normal People um, is out in September so I'd like to get an advanced copy of that ideally we'll make sure to include links to the Fashion Unzipped summer reading list in the story on the site and please tell us what are you reading this summer let us know and who knows might see them on a sun lounger on one of our Instagram accounts soon Uh, do email us your personal rules about how to style out your holiday to unzipped at telegraph.co.uk and visit telegraph.co.uk slash fashion for more on this and other stories. We've almost reached the end of the episode, but we have time to go around the table and share what we're all excited about this week. Bethan. Uh, so tomorrow I'm going to see Consent, which is um, a play on, it's a Nina Rain play um, about, well, as, it, as the title suggests, about a rape trial and modern relationships and I'm fascinated to see how they're going to do it. Vic, what about you? God, I don't know. I don't really have anything this week. I've got tomorrow off um, and it is going to be 30 degrees. So we might go to the Lido. That sounds excellent and definitely something that you're excited about. Charlie? So I'm going to the Royal County of Berkshire Polo Club in Windsor on Saturday and going to watch some polo, going to drink some champagne. Will you wear a hat? No, because I know all about that now. But I don't have to wear a hat. So (laughs) as I have attended many a Royal Ascot and had to wear hats. So unless someone's going to make me. No, you don't need a hat. I'm not wearing a hat. But my other not leaving the house thing that I'm excited about, which obviously I have, is that I've got a new Bosch stick blender. Um, It's great. (laughs) Can recommend because... I don't want to eat anything hot at the moment. I, is, is this yeah, just me? No, like, I'm just generally off food, which I is very unlike me. I can't be bothered to cook no, anything, so I'm no. just making gazpacho. And I've also got a book called Magic Soup. Can recommend. <laughs> you have a lot of like, so. like mono category cookbooks. You've got like all the the jam book. Why would you buy book? a cookbook that just touches on soup when you could just have the definitive guide? The to total soup? immersion. I'm gonna I'm gonna emulate Charlie and go with a an at home and an away item for at home um my tiles have arrived speaking of tile floors all my tiles from like six different vendors my favorites are these marrakesh designs hexagons with like six different color triangles on them that are are just going to be a lot of fun i hope um and then also going to the theater i I um I really wanted to see, to see the prime of Miss Jean Brody at the Donmar. It Ooh. closes this week. Mm. No, I missed this. It closes at the end at the end of the week, but um I've been checking the website on a daily basis and <sighs> it turns out that they every time that they get returns, they put them online and mm-hmm. snapped up like the last two tickets yeah. in the whole theater for tomorrow night. So, even if a show is sold out, it's always worth checking the website and they do have daily standing room tickets for like 10 pounds. You can pounds. sort of go and rock up, can't you? Emily has seen every play recently. Yeah. and she's I didn't got even know they're on. She always gets house seats for like 15 quid. She enters like 
what's it called? The lottery. The Big lottery. fan of the lottery. I was going to say raffle. I'm well, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm slightly in Last Supper mode, you know, culturally, where I'm preparing to hibernate for a while and just want to see as much as I can. Slightly smug and excited to have gotten these tickets, and we'll let you know how it is. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.